Welcome to the Voice of Victory podcast. The goal of this podcast is to preserve the life and ministry of our late pastor, Dr. Jim Tedder. For 58 years, Dr. Tedder was the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We believe the message you're about to enjoy will be a help and an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening. And now, here is Dr. Jim Tedder. this morning to the 14th chapter of the book of John, John 14 and verse 16. Here's the promise made to us by the Lord Jesus, and I want us to look at that promise this morning, and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question that every Baptist and every born-again believer in the world needs to know the answer to. Are you spirit-filled right now? Now, would you say, yes, I am, Brother Jim? Or would you say, no, I'm not, Brother Jim? (laughs) Or would you say, I don't know, Brother Jim? Are you spirit-filled right now? That's the question. Now look what the Savior said. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now here we have the promise that the blessed Holy Spirit of God is going to abide with us forever. But now abiding with us and being filled by the Holy Spirit is two entirely different things. I want us to talk about that this morning. Father, we pause just now to ask that the third member of the Godhead for whom we're about to preach about this morning would fill this preacher. I need your filling today. I'm not, I'm not expecting some kind of feeling, though that comes with it. But I am, Lord, by faith, requesting a filling of your Spirit. And trust today that you will give this preacher the ability to speak words that would cause each one of us as children of God to look into our own hearts and find the answer to that question, am I a spirit-filled believer this minute? I pray it in Jesus' name. And those that are lost, I pray that they would be convicted and drawn to know the Lord as Savior. We ask it in Christ's name, amen. Now, before I preach, I'd appreciate it if a couple of men that know how to get a hold of God would go right back there and pray for this preacher this morning. Would you do that, gentlemen? Two men, two men, please. The verse, the text verse says in verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now here's the promise given of the Savior that the Holy Spirit's coming to fill the believer. Now, let me show you another verse of Scripture. There's only one baptism. We hear a lot of folks talking today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's only one baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, now if you follow me in here, you're going to leave here knowing a little bit about the Holy Spirit more than you did when you came. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the scripture says, for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now that verse of scripture says that when you're saved, you are baptized, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're bond or free, rich or poor, illiterate or educated, it doesn't matter. 
that verse of Scripture says that you are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Now, you get that baptism of the Holy Spirit the instant that you get saved. You never, never, never have to be baptized again by the Holy Spirit from that day forward. You've been placed into the body of Christ by an act of spirit baptism. That word baptism means immerse. That's the only way the Bible uh, speaks about baptism, immerse. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, Ed just gave me the paper that said our offering this morning was $2,512. Now, watch me. I'm going to baptize that uh, that uh, piece of paper into this book. You see what I just then did? I baptized it into the book. I immersed it in this songbook. Now, that's what you got did to you when you got saved. The Holy Spirit took you and placed you into the body of Christ. Now, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That occurs only one time, and that occurs the day that you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then, after you've been baptized into the body of the Holy Spirit, you can be filled by the Holy Spirit many, many, many times. Now, listen to this. Over in the book of Acts, turn over there now, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, Acts 2, 4, and let's read some scripture here in the book of Acts to show you what I'm talking about. In Acts 2, 4, the Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak uh, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we know that according to that same teaching, these other tongues that they were speaking of here were different languages. But I want you to notice the first part of verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. There was 120 people that were sitting in that upper room that day when the Holy Spirit came and filled those believers. And the Scripture said all 120 of them had been, were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now then, turn with me again into the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Acts chapter 4, 29 and 30. The scripture says here in Acts chapter 4, beginning reading with verse 29, And now, Lord, behold their, their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the, uh, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Now, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, said they were filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, on a different day and on a different occasion, the Bible said many of these same servants of God were filled with the Holy Ghost again. Now, did you get that statement? They were baptized into the body of Christ one time, but now they've already experienced two different fillings of the Holy Spirit. Now, you see that? Let's go on a little bit further. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, turn back one, four chapter, uh, ch chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now here's the occasion where one man is filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's the occasion where 120 is filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's the occasion where people that were forbidden to uh, preach in the name of Jesus were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then in Acts chapter 11 and verse 24, Acts 11 and verse 24, we turn over there, and we see again, the scripture says here, for he was a good man, speaking of Barnabas, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Now, beloved, I read all these verses to make one point. There is a difference between being baptized by the Holy Ghost into the body of Jesus Christ and being filled by the Holy Ghost, filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm asking the question this morning in the sermon, are you a Spirit-filled believer right now? 
Now, I know that if I ask the question, do you have God's Holy Spirit if you're saved, the answer is yes, I have God's Holy Spirit. But now, I'm not asking that question. I'm asking the question right now, are you filled and equipped by the Holy Spirit of God to do the work of God? And by the way, unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we are not fit and we are not equipped to do the work of God. We've got to have the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. Now, are you filled with God's Spirit on this Sunday morning, this last Sunday in April, on this daylight saving time? That's enough almost to get me out of the Spirit right there, making me have to get up a little bit earlier to get to church and Sunday school. Isn't that right? And I believe the devil uses that sometimes. I sat back there this morning and watched half my choir uh, class want to sleep on me while I was teaching the Word of God. Now, don't go to sleep on me this morning. Keep asking yourself, am I filled with God's Holy Spirit, or is my Christianity shallow and empty and hollow? Is my Christianity uh, the type that's mediocre? Is, by the way, may I ask you this question? If the law arrested you this morning for being a Christian, you reckon they could dig up enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? That's sad to say, in a lot of instances, a lot of Christians could be arrested and go scot-free if they were charged of being a Christian and walk out of the courtroom not guilty. I find absolutely nothing in that man or that woman's life that would tell me that he or she is a child of God. Now, are you spirit-filled this morning? Now, if you are, there are seven characteristics that's going to be in your life. Turn back with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, and verse 26. John, chapter 14, and verse 26. The Bible said in John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Now, that verse of Scripture says that if you are a Spirit-filled believer, you are being taught by the Holy Spirit the things of God. Now listen to me on this statement. This book that I'm reading from this morning is a heavenly book. Amen? It was sent down to us from the throne of God, and the only way that men are going to understand this book is that we have a heavenly teacher to teach it to us. Did you get that? And the heavenly teacher that teaches the Word of God is the Holy Spirit himself. Now then, never, never does the Holy Spirit ever lead a child of God to do something that contradicts the teaching of the Word of God. Now let me say that again. I know there's been a lot of things that's been done in the name of Jesus, and the only name that is honored is the name of Satan. There's been a lot of people that said, Jesus is leading me to do thus and so. Jesus does not lead anybody to do anything that contradicts the teaching of the Word of God. And when you find somebody that's adding to the Word of God or taking from the Word of God, you're finding somebody that's openly admitting by their addition or subtraction from the Word of God that they are not a spirit-filled believer. I didn't say they weren't a believer. I said they weren't a spirit-filled believer because the Spirit, the Bible said, will teach you the Bible and teach you things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to teach you uh, about rebuke, and he's going to teach you about holiness, and he's going to teach you about purity, and he's going to teach you the Scripture. Now, let me, let me stress something right here. That verse of Scripture that I read for a text in John 14, 16, the Bible said the Holy Spirit lives in you forever. That's a teacher. Did you hear me? The heavenly teacher's inside me this morning. And if there's parts of the Bible that I don't understand, 
And if there's parts of the Bible that I abuse and misuse, that's a disgrace on the teacher that lives inside of me this morning, isn't it? That's saying, Doug, that I'm not listening to that teacher that lives on the inside of me. That's saying this morning that though he's there, and though he's trying to teach me heavenly principles, and though he's trying to uh, bring the word of God to uh, a realization in my life, and he's trying to get my life, by the way, there's not a man nor a woman in this building that professes the name of Christ that's got a right to be backslidden. Now, some folks got the stupid, idiotic idea if I'm not up front singing or up front preaching that I can be backslidden. If you're a born-again believer, you've got no right to be backslidden on God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit that lives within us is going to do the teaching. And the Holy Spirit that lives within us teaches us a pure and a holy and a dedicated life to God Almighty. He's the one that's in there. It's sad when God's people don't see the true spiritual teaching about prayer and soul winning. It's sad when God's people don't see the spiritual teaching about faithfulness and tithing and giving to missionaries. Amen? It's sad when God's people refuse to allow the blessed Holy Spirit of God to teach them. Now let me say it again this morning and emphasize it. If you're not being taught by God's Holy Spirit, and if you're not obeying what you're hearing when the Holy Spirit teaches you, don't claim to be a spirit-filled believer. Number two, am I a spirit-filled believer? You're a spirit-filled when the Holy Spirit of God helps you to remember. Now look at the verse 26 again. The Bible said not only will he teach you all things, but he said, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now the Bible said the person that's filled with the Holy Spirit is going to do some remembering. Jackie, I believe the man or the woman that's filled with the Holy Spirit is going to remember to read the Word of God. Amen, Brother Jim. I believe the man or the woman that's Spirit-filled is going to remember to pray. I believe the man or woman that's filled with the Holy Spirit is going to remember their service in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the man or woman that's filled with the Holy Spirit is going to remember what the Savior did for us 2,000 years ago at Calvary. He's going to remember Golgotha. He's going to remember the crown of thorns. He's going to remember the bloody hands. He's going to remember the bloody feet. He's going to remember the beating. He's going to remember the spittle. He's going to remember the awful cursing that Jesus went through in order to redeem his wretched soul from the devil's hell. And no power on earth is going to ever cause a child of God to forget what Jesus did for him if he is spirit-filled. Child of God, there shouldn't be a day. You and I shouldn't ever live a day that we don't relive Calvary just a little bit in our minds and go back and walk that bloody mile with our Savior and go back and appreciate and fall prostrate on our faces before the cross of Calvary saying, Praise God to the Almighty plan of salvation. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Make me remember. Now, the Scripture said that a spirit-filled believer will be a man or woman that remembers. That's not all. If you're a spirit-filled, and I ask you the question, are you a spirit-filled believer this morning? In John chapter 15 and verse 26, John 15, 26, but when he, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth forth uh, from the Father, he shall testify of me. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible said that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. 
Now, I've said this often from this pulpit, but it bears repeating again today. You watch that crowd that exalts Jehovah God and belittles Jesus Christ. They call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses. They'll tell you at the drop of a hat that Jesus is not equal with God, and they're a pack of liars and false prophets, and you mark it down. You say, Brother Jim, you've got no right to attack them. I'm not attacking them. I'm attacking their damnable doctrine. And that's exactly what it is. Uh, this damnable doctrine said there's no such thing as hell. This damnable doctrine uh, uh, teaches that you're not to be patriotic. I despise that. Did you know Jehovah's Witness, not only will they not give transfusions to their little babies, and some of those scandals has let little babies die because they wouldn't give them a blood transfusion, but if they're true to a form Jehovah's Witness, they won't fight for this nation. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for somebody that wouldn't fight for America. I wouldn't give you a dime for somebody that couldn't salute old glory and sing the Star Spangled Banner and pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. They're not worth the power it takes to blow them up. Yeah, right. Amen? Amen. It makes this preacher mad when I see somebody disgrace this nation. Yes. Makes me mad when I see these hippies running around with a little bitty miniature American flag sewed on the seat of their britches and a peace emblem in the middle of it. That makes me want to vomit. That makes me want to fight. Amen? Amen? It's sorry, inexcusable. The Bible said the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with him, you're going to be a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does that coincide with what you've been taught about the fullness of the Holy Spirit? People are not going to run around talking about Jehovah. The Bible said this is the will of God, that you honor the Son even as you honor the Father. And listen to me, honey. Don't you ever think you dishonor God the Father by exalting God the Son. When you exalt God the Son, you're pleasing God the Father. You're doing exactly what God the Father wants you to do. And when I stand up here in this pulpit and preach about God the Son, I don't talk a whole lot about God the Father, but I talk a whole lot about Jesus the Son. I don't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit of God, but I talk a whole lot about the Son of God. And, and by the way, the Scripture says when a man is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not going to cause that man to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to cause that man or woman, that spirit field, to talk and testify about Jesus Christ. Now put that down. That's scriptural, honey. That, but that's not exactly the way you hear it on the television, is it? That's not the way the television preacher dishes it out, and that's not the way the radio preacher dishes it out, but that's the way the Word of God says it is. Now let me give you another verse of scripture in the book of Colossians. Turn over there. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, begin reading with verse 13. The scripture says in 1.13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin? Whose blood was shed on the cross of Calvary? The Lord Jesus Christ. So we're talking in context about the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you agree to that? Okay, then let's go on down in verse, uh, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus. Folks, we'd have never known what God looked like had not Jesus come. Now that's what it means. Somebody said, Brother Peter, what does God look like? Just like Jesus. When God decided to take a bodily form, it was the body of the man, Christ Jesus, that he showed up in. 
So we have, you say, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Son of God. That's who Paul's talking about. Then the scripture said in verse 16, For by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now listen to this. And he is the head of the body of the church. Who's the head of Victor Baptist Church? Jesus. Jesus. Thank God when I asked that question, somebody didn't say Jim Tetter. I'd have popped you in the jaw. Thank God when I asked that question, somebody didn't say the convention or the association. I'd have thrown the songbook at you. Amen? We don't have any programs to glorify. We don't have any associations or convictions to bow down to. And there's only one head of Victory Baptist Church, and that's the man. I'd preach that, boy. I tell you, that, that's all right, isn't it? Now listen, the Bible said in verse 18, He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the, what's the next word? Preeminence. You know what that means, honey? That means first place. God said, in the church, that spirit field, there is the will of God, and that is that Jesus has first place. I like that. When it comes to singing, brother, we sing around here for Jesus. Amen? When it comes to teaching Sunday school classes, we teach around here about Jesus. We sing about Jesus. We teach about Jesus. And we preach about Jesus. And we testify about Jesus. And we point lost men and women to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission of sin. And God said, you give him the preeminent place in the church. Can anything be any more plainer than that? Are you spirit-filled? Then if you're spirit-filled, you're testifying about Jesus. Are you filled with the Spirit right now? If you are spirit-filled right now, then your life will affect the lost. Now let me say that again. If you're spirit-filled right now, the way you're living will affect the lost. In the 16th chapter of John and verse 8, the scripture says here, and when he has come, that's the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. When he is come in my life in power and in the fullness, then God can use my life to reprove this world of sin. Now I'm going to be a many and a fool to go out here and lie and then try to win somebody to Christ. I can't do it. I'm going to be a ninny and a fool to try to avoid paying my honest debts and go out here and try to win somebody to the Lord. I cannot do it. I'm going to be a ninny and a fool not to tithe and steal from God and then go out here and say, God, I'm going to try my best to win a soul to Jesus Christ. I can't do that. I, I mean, I might be able, God might use the word of God, but God's not going to use me. I'm not going to be the vessel that brings glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if my life is yielded to God, then God said, Preacher Tether, when you stand up and talk about sin, then the blessed Holy Spirit can take the sword of the Spirit and thrust it into the heart of the sinner and cause that sinner to realize that he is lost and cut off from God and desire salvation. Hallelujah. Folks, you listen to me. I'd rather have God's fullness and God's spirit on me than to have ten million dollars tax-free laid in that hand this morning. I'm, I am, boy, I could use ten million dollars. If I had it, I'd put it as far as it would go on my debts, wouldn't you? 
Come on now, get with me. You're in debt now like I am. Now come on. The Bible said, number one, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then God's going to use your life to reprove people about their sins. And then God said, God's going to use your life to show people what righteousness is all about. Righteousness. I'm not talking about a righteousness that you and I manufactured. I'm talking about a righteousness that's imputed to us from the throne of God. I'm talking about a righteousness, my friend, that only comes by knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. I know a lot of good men that if they died right now, they'd go to hell. But the world would call them righteous. But I'm talking about that kind of righteousness that when you're alone and there's nobody else there and there's nobody else that's ever going to know what kind of a man or what kind of a woman are you then? Well, that's character, isn't it? How much do we really love heaven? How much do we really love God? Let me ask you a question. question that I heard asked this morning, and boy, it hit me right between the eyes. If you knew the instant you got saved that you were going to heaven... Would you have made that decision then to have been saved? Mm. That kind of stings, doesn't it? If you knew the instant that you asked the Lord to come into your heart and life, you were going to heaven, would you still ask him to come into your heart and life and save you? Think on that just for a little while. God said, if you're really spirit-filled, then the way you're living is going to show the world what righteousness is is. I know a lot of counterfeit Christians. Amen. Somebody told the bank man one time, as a teller at the bank, said, how am I going to know uh, counterfeit money? How am I going to know it? I mean, if they pay, pass a bogus 20 or 10 or 100 or $50 bill off on me, how am I going to tell the counterfeit from the real thing? You know what they told him? They said, you just study the real thing. When you see the counterfeit, you're going to know it. Now, let me ask you that question, apply it to religion. How are we going to know those that's fake and charlatan in their religion? You study the real thing. You just study the real thing. You study those whose life is righteous. I'm, I'm not talking about a Sunday morning righteousness, honey. I'm talking about a Sunday night righteousness. I'm talking about a righteousness that would get people back in God's house unless they're providentially hindered on Wednesday night, too. I'm talking about a righteousness, my friend, that'll make you show up to revival in special services. I'm talking about a righteousness that'll make you love the Lord Jesus Christ supremely in your life. God said, now that individual is spirit-filled. I'm asking you again, are you spirit-filled this morning? If you are, then your life is reproving sin, and your life is a portrait of righteousness, and your, your life also makes people realize that there is a rendezvous with God and a time appointed when I'm going to stand and face God within the judgment. Charles Finney, a lawyer until God saved him. And then after God saved him, he became a preacher and evangelist, and he went all over the eastern part of the United States preaching the gospel. It is said that Charles Finney one day walked into a factory in New York City where some ladies were sewing on a sewing machine. He didn't say a word. He didn't preach a sermon. He wasn't standing there with a Bible. He just stood there, and his very presence uh, caused people to begin to tremble and cry in that, in that seamstress factory and caused many of those women to come up to him and say, Mr. Finney, would you lead me to Christ? And they tell me a revival broke out whereby many, many of the employees of that factory got saved because Charles Finney showed up in that place.
Now, what kind of a man was Charles Finney? He was, he was a kind of a man that while most men slept, he was on his face in some barn stable or some hayloft praying all night long. That's the kind of man Charles Finney was. What kind of a man was Charles Finney? He was a man that lived, had singleness of life, singleness of purpose, and singleness of heart. And he lived his life for one purpose, and that is to glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is it, folks, that we're not seeing those kind of revivals come in 1982? I'm, I'm afraid the answer to that is that there's just not that many spirit-filled lives in 1982. I'm asking the question, are you spirit-filled right now? If you are, number five, then you have a guide that's going to guide you into all truth. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, the scripture says, John 16 and 13, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that a sweet verse of scripture? He will guide you into all truth. In 1 John 4, 1 through 3, John warns us and says there are many false prophets that's gone out into the world. He said there are many people that stand up in the name of Christ, but in reality they are anti-Christ. Now turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm talking about the spirit that's going to guide you into truth. Yes. 1 Corinthians 14, let's see what kind of truth we can garner out of, that, out of that chapter. There's about five or six things that I want you to see real quickly in 1 Corinthians 14. I want you to see verse 22. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign. Well, somebody said, Brother Jim, don't you know that God gave tongues for a sign? The scripture says he did. And we are being told every day by the Pentecostal crowd that the sign of the tongues uh, is, is uh, or the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And the scripture says the tongues were given for a sign. Sounds like so far they're right, doesn't it? But now let's read the rest of that scripture. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Oh, tongues were not given for the believer. But tongues were given for a sign for the unbeliever. And you listen to me. If you want to run this thing down, that unbeliever that God's talking about right here is the nation Israel and their rejection of the Son of God. The book of Isaiah prophesied that God would rebuke that nation with people of other tongues and strange tongues. And he did that on the day of Pentecost. Now you listen to me on this. I said, the Holy Spirit, if you're a spirit filled, will guide you into some truth. That's truth number one about, the whole, about, about speaking in tongues. Okay, truth number two is found in verse 23, 24. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned and unbelievers, will they not say that they're mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, nor one, or one that is unlearned, is he, uh, is he convinced of all? And is he judged of all? What is that saying? If somebody came in here today that was unlearned in the Spanish language, and I stood up here and preached to you a sermon in Spanish, I don't care what kind of a sermon I preached to you in Spanish, that man would walk out of here and say, Jim Tedder is an idiot. I mean, he's got a bunch of Americans sitting over there, and he stood up last Sunday morning, and he preached a sermon in some kind of language that nobody understood. He's a madman.
God said, my Holy Spirit will guide you into some truths. These are the truths. Then God said, if somebody came in that was uh, uh, not learned, he didn't know a different language. And I stood up here and I prophesied and I preached just like I'm preaching today and, and healed Billy English. And the Bible said the Holy Spirit got a hold of that and, and, and got a hold of that man's heart. He's going out and saying, that man told me something that I needed to know. Amen? Now, these are the truths that God said the Holy Spirit's going to guide you into. There's a third truth that I want you to see. It's found in verse 26. The Bible said, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm and hath a doctrine and hath a tongue and hath a, re a revelation and interpretation? Let all things been done, be done unto edifying. He said, How is it? If God is in control of that church service, how is it that every one of you have got a little something to do in it? How is it and why is it that every one of you want to take part in the church service? If God's in control of it, let God be in control of it. And don't you get involved in it and don't you put the flesh into it. Now, that's what he's saying. How is it that all of you want to toot your own horn and build your own selves up and edify your own self and make your own self appear to be more spiritual than anybody else? Why is God's not exalted if God is in that thing. Let's go on. There's another question, and there's another uh, verse I want you to see, verse 27. The Bible said, uh, if, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or by the most, uh, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. God said, now wait a minute, I'm, I'm just telling you what God said. And God said, never more than three. Yes. Never more than three. By the way, uh, that, that was back then. We don't even need that today. Right. We don't even need that today. But God said even back then, before this perfect revelation of the Word of God was come, He said it was never done by more than three. Right. And then He said it was only done then. I'm, I'm, I'm getting down here where the, where the rubber meets the road now, isn't it? He said it was only done then if there was an interpreter there. You look at that next verse, verse 28, and the Bible said, And if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak unto himself and to God. Now, what does that mean, honey? That means if a man's got to speak in a language nobody else understands, God said, Shut your mouth up, keep silent, and speak to God. I'll understand everything, but don't you get up and make a fool out of yourself. And don't you cause confusion in God's church. And don't you edify and build up a, the flesh. Just keep silent. Is that not what the Scripture says? Folks, I'm not putting anything to it. I'm just reading it. And the scripture said, if the Holy Spirit is filling you, then he's going to guide you into these truths. Well, there's two or three more truths that I want you to see. Fasten your seatbelt because this thing getting hairy now. Look over here at verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Anything that ever happens into the church, listen to me, listen to me. Anything that ever occurs in God's church that tends to confusion, you can mark it down. Satan is behind it, and not God. Mark it down. Because the scripture says God is not the author of confusion. So if God is not the author of confusion, there's only one other person that could be, and that's the devil. Now then, verse 34 and 35. Remember, he's our teacher now, and he's guiding us to all truths. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, 
but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if any will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Now, that kind of speaking that's been done in the church is the, is the edifying, the building up. That's what it's talking about now. Listen to me. Trying to take over and usurp authority over a man, any woman that does that, honey, is out of her place. And I can apply that in my home, in my business, or in this church. And God said, when you come to the assemblies, I'm not going to give messages and revelations to women. I told you it's going to get hairy. Yes. We had about 28 men, and now we've got one down here on the front pew that's feeding back to me. Now, you listen to me a minute. You listen to what I'm going to say, and you tell me if I'm telling you the truth tonight. If God, all of a sudden, caused every woman in the charismatic movement to get laryngitis for a year, the charismatic movement would be dead in 24 hours. I mean, that thing is run and lorded over and and carried on and conducted 90% of all that I'm talking about and talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is done by females. Let me put the icing on the cake now. Or let Paul put the icing on the cake. Remember, the Holy Spirit's our teacher. Are you having trouble understanding this? A lot of folks do, don't they? But I mean, folks, all I'm doing to you is just reading King's English. I'm not even preaching on this, brother, just reading it. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Look down verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul said, if you can't take being silent, if you can't take women being silent in church and being under subjection, if you can't take uh, shutting up your mouth and not speaking, then he said, you are not if you are spiritual, he said, you'd have to acknowledge that what I have just said is the commandments of God. Right. Has the Holy Spirit taught us anything this morning? I think he has. I think he has. Are you spirit-filled right now? If you're spirit-filled right now, you're going to be interested in Bible prophecy. In John 16, 13, look again, John 16, 13, the scripture says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall, he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you what things to come. Hold on. You show me somebody that can't get excited about the trouble that we're having right now in Argentina and Great Britain. You show me somebody that can't get excited over the oil shortage and the oil boom, and you show me somebody that can't get excited over the, uh, the uh, war that's looming right now in the Middle East, and you show me somebody that can't get excited because Russia and the United States are ready to square off at each other, and you show me somebody that can't get excited because there's trouble in Cuba, and there's trouble in Afghanistan, and there's trouble in Iran, and there's trouble in, in uh, Argentina, and there's trouble in Nicaragua. You show me somebody that can't get excited over the earthquakes. You show me somebody that can't get excited when we look around and see the drug pushers coming on strong. Uh, brother said he did a, did a study on that the other day. Let me, let, me, let me let you in on something. The Bible said before the tribulation period's over that the devil is going to use drug addiction to deceive all the nations of the world. Brother, that's fulfillment of Bible prophecy. That was before anybody ever invented LSD. 
That was before anybody ever smoked pot. That was before the uppers and downers ever came on the scene. The man that wrote this Bible said in the last days, Satan would use the drunk and the drunk to doubt the soul of men and to blind their eyes against the teaching of this book. Brother, if God didn't write it, who did? Who's got the ability to look out John in the future 2,000 years down the pike and see this thing? God Almighty. Right. Got a sneaking feeling I'm preaching mighty hard to somebody's case this morning. God's staffing, God's plowing mighty close to some of your rolls of corn this morning. And if you're spirit-filled and there's an ounce of fear of God in you, then I'd advise you to get in this altar and get your heart right with God and get ready to die or ready to live, whichever the case might be. Man's not ready to die until he gets ready to live. Man's not ready to live until he gets ready to die. Now, God had to give me that, folks, because it just now came. Amen. Are you interested in, in the future? Let me tell you about the future. A whole lot faster than that, the church of Jesus Christ is going to vanish some of these days. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I can say that from the depths of my heart. Can you? Now, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not ashamed of some of the things done in my life. But, Doug, right now, I'm ready to stand and face God. I can pray that prayer from the depths of my soul, Lord, if the rapture should occur in the next 15 minutes and all you're waiting on is for somebody to say, Lord, come, I'd get on my face right now in this altar and invite him to come back. The Bible said if you're filled with the Spirit, then you're going to be interested in the future. You're going to know about the future of the church. You're going to know about the disaster that's waiting for the Christ rejecter when the church is raptured. I mean disaster. I mean total disaster. Somebody said, oh, Brother Jim, I'd just get saved if the church gets raptured. No, I don't believe you would. I believe you've done too far gone right now. If the church was raptured right now, I don't believe there's one soul in this building that would get saved. I believe that with all my soul. I don't believe there's one soul in this building that fall on their face and cry out to God in repentance. I believe if a man wouldn't do it now, he wouldn't do it then. Wouldn't do it then. Besides, right now the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart. And when the church is raptured, Mister, the Holy Spirit's going to leave this place. Did you hear me? And that Holy Spirit said, except I draw you, you can't come. Except I draw you, you can't be saved. And when the church is gone, buddy, the Holy Spirit's going to be gone too. Give me another thought. Give me another thought. When Philip joined up with that Ethiopian eunuch, he was reading the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Philip asked him a question. He said, Understandest thou what thou read? He said, How can I except some man guide me? You know what that tells me? That tells me that the lost man or woman can read that book and not understand it. They don't understand what they read. And God said, Except somebody guide you, you'll not understand it. Doug, I read from Matthew to Revelation all the way through every word in the New Testament before I got saved, but I never got saved until somebody set me down and showed me how to get saved out of the Bible. 
Ron, I read every solitary word in the New Testament, but yet I didn't get saved until God used a man to show me how to get saved. Now, if the church was raptured right now, who would you go to to get God to use to show you how to get saved? There'd be some preachers left behind, but they would be this crowd that's trying to work their way to heaven, and by the time the church is raptured and they realize they didn't go, then they're going to realize I've been deceived too, and I don't know the answer. Would you go to that bunch that worships Mary? When the church is raptured, honey, they're going to look around and, and, and all their idols and their saints that they've been praying to and their beads and their holy water has going to let them down. Are you going to go to that crowd? They're going to scratch their head and say, we didn't have enough truth to get saved ourselves. How can we tell you? Are you going to the scientific world? They've been laughing at the fact there's a God for the past hundred years. Where are you going to go? The truth of the matter is, if you don't get saved now and the church is raptured, there's no place to go. Well, we know a little bit about the future, don't we? The Bible said if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to know a little bit about the future. I know a little bit about the bloodbath that's in store for the Jews. I know a little bit about the consolidation of religion and government that's going to take place in this world. And by the way, that is already taking place in this world. And the Bible said if you're a spirit-filled, then he's going to teach you about things of the future. Last of all, if you're a spirit-filled believer, according to uh, John chapter 16 and verse 14, look at it, 16, 14, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it you. If you're a spirit-filled right now, then you're a glory glorifying the Lord. Now let me ask you something, Mr. and Ms. Christian. Has your life in the last 24 hours, 72 hours, the last week, two weeks, or month, has your life glorified the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're not saved this morning, the only way that you can glorify the Lord is to submit to him and be one of his children. Come on and get saved. If you're not saved this morning, then let Jesus come into your heart and you can glorify him. If you are saved this morning and your life hasn't been glorifying the Lord, take my advice. Take my advice. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Let the Holy Spirit cause you to remember. Let the Holy Spirit cause you to talk about Christ. Let the Holy Spirit make your life an effective tool and witnessing to the lost. Let the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth that's in the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit teach you about prophecy. And when you allow that, then your life will glorify God because you will then be a Spirit-filled believer. I'm going to ask my question again. Are you a Spirit-filled believer right now? I'm not saying there's not been a time in your life that you were a spirit-filled believer, but I'm asking you, are you a spirit-filled believer today, this morning? If the answer to that is no, I've got another question for you. When are you going to do something about it? When are you going to do something about it?